0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my channel and to Briar Rose, chapter 26. After Alex starts a transport spell, my skin tingles with wizard magic. I've never travelled by magic before. On reflex, I step closer to Nox. He tightens his grip on my waist, pulling me against his side. His body is warm, firm, and comforting. I lean into his touch. It's been a crazy day. The next thing I know, Nox and I stand somewhere that is most definitely not my auntie's penthouse. I frown. Did something go wrong with Alec's spell? Nah. Nox's voice is deep and calm. Alec brought us to my place. It can only send us to spots that he's seen before, and he doesn't know your aunties. It could send us to Le Charm, and we'd appear right in the middle of his office or something. He's worked hard to hide that. He's a wizard. Knox rolls his eyes. You know how humans can get. I've seen it. Last month, I saw some get mobbed on the sidewalk for casting a minor spell. Everyone wanted to take a peek. Their autograph, it was creepy. Now that I know, we weren't delivered to the wrong place. I scan Knox's apartment. It's somewhere between a man cave and a bunker. The place is it's large, and it's open with locks of exposed concrete and black leather. It's got a massive screen and couch set up for movies, a whole gaming station against one wall, along with a wall rack that's filled with all sorts of magical weapons. I gesture his wall of guns. Is that legal? Mostly. Alec like knows people who know people, and most of the time I keep the weapons out of sight. Knox enters a code into the keypad by the door and the gun display slides into the wall, only to get covered up by a huge painting of the Manhattan skyline. That's pretty slick. Wait until you see the guns. Most of those are specifically built to kill Denari. Kill Denari. In my mind, I once again see the image of jewels turned into ash. A shiver twists up my spine. Within the span of a heartbeat, Knox is standing at my side. What's wrong? You smell confused and frightened. I'm fine. Knox isn't buying it. He stares at the weapons for a moment and then looks back to me. How did Jules die? I can't tell you that. Not now, anyway. I swallow. I thought you were dead, Knox. "'I can't do anything to put you at risk again "'until I know what's going on, what's really going on. "'That's all details will do. "'Put you at risk.' Knox pulls me into a warm hug. "'I'm a big bad wolf, you know. "'I'm not afraid of a little risk.' "'I nuzzle into his chest. "'I know. "'But you can tell me when you're ready, yeah? "'When I'm ready? "'I'm not sure I'll ever be ready.' His hug is awesome, but I stay in it. But if I stay in it, I'll do something crazy like tell him everything. So I step away and finish sizing up the apartment. There are no less than three different hallways lined with doors. For New York, this place is pretty massive. You live here all on your own? Yeah. Knox steps over to the window. We're in the Lasharn building. Alec and I, we're living here. I mean, there's an understanding between us. I rent this place for him. Knox makes little quotation marks with his fingers when he says rent. And then he can bring his lady friends over when he wants. Sometimes he'll have parties here too. The place has five bedrooms. Well, Alec is a major player. So what happens when a lady friend comes back and says I dunno she's forgot her scarf or something? Knox chuckles. <laughs> That's where I earn my rent. I pull on the neck of my body armour. This stuff looks cool, but Cavalier isn't exactly comfy. You don't have anything I could change into, do you? This stuff is uncomfortable, and besides, the conversation will be tough enough without having body armour in it. People do leave stuff around after parties. I tell the cleaners to wash it up and leave it in the last bedroom on the night. It's this one down the hallway on the right. You might find something in there. Thanks! He hitches his thumb over his shoulder. My room is down this way. I'll change as well, and then we can grab a cab. Okay? Perfect. I know we have to until midnight, but sometimes Queen Nixa shows up early. The sooner we get there, the better. Cool. Knox grips the body armor at right his waist. A prickle of awareness moves over my skin. Yet again, Knox is going to strip down naked near me. We've only kissed twice. But the nakedness has happened three times. Not that I'm keeping track of something. My face starts to heat. I definitely don't want him to see me blush again. So I speed my way to the last bedroom on the right. Like the rest of the place, it's decorated in bare concrete and black furniture. The closet is massive. I mean, it's massive. It's filled with clothes. And mostly girl stuff. A lot of it is ball gowns and cocktail dresses. Some are torn straight at the front. I slide past those hangers with extra speed. Alec is a nice guy and all, but there are some things about him I just don't want to know. My breath catches. Unless Knox has been at all these parties too. I push the thought aside. I've been doing that a lot lately, and I think I'm getting pretty good at it. I soon find some clean leggings and a long sweater. It's a little more casual than my aunt is used to, but it's certainly better than body armour. I run a brush through my hair and scheme my head off. The more I think about it, the more having knocks so along is an awesome idea, especially if Queen Nixer is there. I know just how to bring them all to their knees. It's not very mature of me, but once I'm finished fixing my face, I rub my hands together and say, Mwah, ha-ha, at the mirror. And tis, here I come. I step out of the room. Knox is already standing by the door. He's back in black leather pants and a dark t-shirt. With his black hair and ice blue eyes, he looks like a rock star. My heart does this strange fluttery thing in my chest. I try to ignore that too, but it's not easy. Knox looks up as I approach. You look great. I've got a cab waiting downstairs. I think I know how to confront my aunties. I'm game. So I share my plan. My pulse speeds up as I explain things, most because the plan involves Knox waiting outside my auntie's door. And I know he's a protective type, but he's totally down with the scheme and even calls me a genius. One of these days, I'll stop blushing my face off when he compliments me. Knox takes my hand as we leave the Lushan building. He keeps holding it in the cab. When we get out at my auntie's building, he's still holding it. He even holds my hand while we take the elevator to my auntie's penthouse. A dozen questions run through my mind at once. Does this mean that we're still mated? I know next to nothing about werewolf culture. Being mated is a big deal. But I'm sure you can hold someone to a proclamation made while they're about to be killed by a psychopath. Undead. Mummy. Zombie. My chest tightens. Suddenly, it's like I can't pull in enough breath. I gesture to the door. That's it. Knox cups my face with his hands. "'You're nervous.' I nod quickly. "'Yes, yes, yes. About your aunties or me. There's no point lying to a werewolf. Both.' Bry, you've got nothing to worry about when it comes to us, yeah?' I start babbling again, and I'm totally powerless to stop it. "'But there were all those dresses in your apartment, and lots of them were torn. You must have gone to some of those parties.' I realise I'm speaking so fast, all my words tumble together. Still, I can't stop myself, though. Just because you said you were my mate in the battle doesn't mean you have to stick to it. And sure, you were my first kiss, but that doesn't mean, whoa, whoa, stop right there. Believe me, you've nothing to worry about when it comes to us. He leans in and gently brushes his lips across mine. We'll talk more later. Yeah? Yeah. Nock takes in a deep breath. Now you smell more settled. You ready for this? As I'll ever be. Actually, I'm totally not ready for this conversation. I've spent a lot of my precious uh, prep time worrying about how jewels got turned into charcoal and what's happening between Knox and me. Denial much? Now I have to face my aunties, and possibly the most powerful fairy queen of them all, and confront them about scheming with jewels. Oh, well... Maybe it was best to avoid those thoughts until now. Just starting to contemplate the level of betrayal, I want to race back into the elevator and honestly never see them again. Best to get this over with. I straighten my shoulders and push the intercom buzzer. Mirabelle's voice crackles over the intercom by the door. Just come in, whoever you are, the door's open and the party's started. I can hear voices babbling, music blaring at full volume. The intercom goes silent. I close my eyes and focus. I've always had a good hearing, but after I had my first shift with Jules, it seems like everything is super loud. And now, I need that skill more than ever before. From what I heard over the intercom, the party is full swing. It isn't even midnight yet. When, I mean what, I need to know now. Is if a certain fairy is in attendance, there will be no way to miss her voice if she is. A nasal screech echoes through the door. And yet again, I win another battle of riddles. An odd chorus of voices breaks out into cheers. The sound is a mix between a growl and a twitter of birds. Those are definitely def- they're definitely fairies. My stomach drops to my toes, and Queen Nixer is with them. Damn. I press my hands to my face and force my breathing to slow. This is a disaster. The whole reason we sped over here was to avoid seeing Nixer in the first place. Nox moves to stand at my side. He whispers in my ear. The Queen is there, yeah? Yep. I make sure to pop the P on the yep. "'No worries. We're fine. You plan for this. Your scheme is brilliant. "'Now, I'll just wait here and listen for you to call my name.' He tugs at his ear, wolf hearing right. "'This will work.' "'I grip my hands tightly at my waist. "'Oh, we could run. I've always wanted an assumed identity. "'As the words leave my mouth, I realise I'm definitely half-serious. "'Not a chance. You just bought jewels and a few hundred undead losers.' I raise my point finger. I'm not really sure how he died. For some reason, it feels very important to make that point clear. I get that, but you still won. You can do this, too. I believe in you. With those words, I'm ready to pull up my big girl panties and face things head on. I grip the handle and push open the door. I step down the small entrance hallway and into the main living room. It's like stepping into a Funky, chic, high end department store. We have these egg shaped chairs and fur covered couches. The lamps remind me of silver spiders. The rugs are beyond plush. Oh, yes, and everything is in different shades of green, yellow, and pink. That's all the work of Lorelei and Fanner, of course. The place is packed with particleers. All of them are fey. There are tall, willowy types with blue skin and limbs as thin as reeds. Thin, curvy types with pink skin and wings to match, and little pixies zip around the hair with the bright green bodies, dark wings and pointed teeth. They are all in the frenzy of the moment. They like to call dancing. I think of it more as a magical mosh pit. The scent of dandelion wine hits me smack in the face. Yipes. The fairies get absolutely toasted on anything to do with dandelions. And based on the number of glasses filled with yellow liquid in this room, these fairies are well on their way to being plastered. Lorelei and Fanna stand in the centre of the room in their matching yellow Chanel suits, sipping their yellow drinks from wide martini glasses. Today, they remind me of a cross between Flamingos and Big Bird. Mirabelle waits nearby in another room, mew mew thing, and in the centre of this trio stands Queen Nixa. She's hard to miss, considering how she's seven feet tall with orange skin and moss-green hair. A crown of bluebells sits atop her head. The flowers are the same shade as her floor-length gown and over-large eyes. The moment I set foot in the living room, her gaze locks on me. Briar Rose... The queen addresses me, the entire chamber falls silent. You have arrived. Yes, I'm pretty happy with how calm and level my voice sounds now. And I have great news for you all. My aunt is grim from ear to ear. Mirabel bobs happily on the balls of her feet, a movement makes her mew mew puff out into a muffin shape. They think they know what my news is. But they have no idea. Lorelai steps forward and raises a glass. Let me guess. You have fulfilled? No. I'm even happier with the loud exclamation here. Because it shuts Lorelei right up. I want to announce this news in a special way. By holding a battle of riddles. With Queen Nixa. The smiles melt away from all through my aunties. What? Asks Lorelai. I forbid it. Nicks around a Who are you to forbid me anything? She grins so sweetly. You hardly think she was a kind of fairy who kills servants for fun. But she is. She is. She definitely is. I, I should very much like to engage Rose in a battle of riddles. I curtsy. Thank you. What? Is the prize, asks Nyxa slowly. The winner can request any boon she wants of the other, and I'll go first. Please let me go first. Absolutely not. I am Queenia, and I set the rules. I shall ask you first. She taps her chin with one long orange finger. Oh, let me... Think. My heart starts beating so loudly, I can actually hear my pulse in my ears. I've watched Nixa play these real games before. Usually, she always starts off with an easy question. Otherwise, she says the game is over too quickly. Oh, I have it. Nixa clasps her hands. Why is a raven like a writing desk? I could cheer. I'm so excited for this question. It's a real stumper, but not for me. It's from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. After all, I gave Nixer my best grin. Ask the Mad Hatter. Now, I'm not 100% sure that's the right answer, but based on how Nixer is grinning her teeth right now, I'm pretty sure I nailed it. Fine, she says in a quick voice. Ask a question. I swallow past the knot of worry in my throat. Nixa is a massively powerful fairy, and this is a huge gamble. She won't like losing. Who has my heart? Nixa tips her head back and laughs. Why, that's easy. Jules, the leader of the Denari. "'I'm sure he's captured it both in a metaphorical and a physical sense by now, yes?' She makes a slurping noise as she drinks, which is a number one unnecessary and number two totally disgusting. "'Not exactly.' I pull back the wide neckline on my sweater to show the unmarked skin on my shoulder. As you can see, my heart is still where it always has been. I cut my hand to my mouth. Knox, we're ready for you now. The door slams open. Knox strides into the room. He's all messy, black hair, leather pants, big boots and attitude. I've always noted how his presence fills up a room. Now I'm thinking that it's a self awarded vibe. Even though the room is filled with obnoxious fairies, suddenly it's like it's only him and me. I can't help it. I stare at his full mouth. Dark bristle lines, his chin... I want nothing more than to run my fingers. Oh, over his skin. Knox's eyes glow golden with werewolf power. An electric sense of connection seems to fill the air between us. Before I know what's happening, his every arms are around me and he's pulled me against his firm body. I don't need any more invitation than that. I lean in and kiss him. Hard. I don't know how long things gone like that. But no one says a word. Eventually Knox breaks the kiss. When you told me about your plan, you didn't say the exact words of your riddle. He leans in his forehead against mine. Is that true? Yes, Knox. You hold my loving heart. I can't stop smiling like a fool. I'm glad to hear it. You have mine too, yeah? Yeah. Nix's voice takes on a nasal, nasal shriek. Where is Jules? Where is Jules? It's this thing's 18th birthday. She points her finger right at me. Evidently, I'm considered a thing in her vocabulary. She's supposed to marry Jules. What's going on? What's going on? Hmm. I fold my arms over my chest. That's the precise question I'm going to ask my aunties. Jules is dead. I will never marry him. What? Asked my aunties in unison. And since I won the Battle of Riddles, I will now name my prize. From now on, my aunties must tell me the truth. Make it happen, Nixer. Fairies, fairies don't lie. You don't tell the truth either. Nix the a chest with her hand. This party is boring me. Boring me to death. I should be going. In fact, it's beyond time everyone left. But what about my wish? I'll grant it. Someday. Hmm. She raises her arms. Come and find me and we'll talk. The room fills with a silver light of fairy dust. When the air clears, the only ones left are my aunties, Knox and me. Go find her. Finding fairies is impossible, unless they want to be found, or you have their real name and can summon them. Leave it to a fairy to weasel out of a bargain. My aunties stalk toward me and they do not look happy. Moving in unison, they all raise their arms and summon fairy dust to them. My body freezes with fear. My aunties don't crack out magic often, but when they do, look out. I straightened my back and firm my resolve. After all, this was the situation I'd hoped for in the first place, right? The my aunties would be here alone, so I could confront them. Getting Nixa out of the way was just phase one of my plan. But now that I see my aunties conjuring up magic against Nox and me, I think about all the times they wiped my nose and changed my diapers. They conjured me dinners. They tucked me in at night. Now that it comes to it, I don't know if I can fight them, after all. My aunties lower their arms. Long, thin branches burst out of the floor and wrap around Knox. Not me. Nox. The thorns dig into his skin. The copper centre blood fills the air. Rage corkscrews up my spine. Jules can't be dead. Jules can't be dead. Lorelei's shrieking now. It's all this werewolf's fault. He's lying to her. Suddenly, different memories of my mind fill. Mirabel telling me I'm a failure and worthless Vanna handing me predator's bean Making me thank her for it Lorelei inviting me to a birthday party To celebrate my own murder And now, torturing my mate What little shred of affection I kept for these three ladies Vanishes under the fires of rage My voice roars with rage inside my head Attack It's my wolf speaking to me again Once again, I agree with her before I know what's happening, my wolf form tears out of my body. It's agony as my limbs realign, smooth tears and bone stretches. My great white wolf faces down my aunties. My muzzle trembles as I snarl with rage. Set. Him. Loose. I don't know what's surprising more, the fact I'm a wolf or that I can talk. Either way, the three of them are stared, staring dumbfounded at me. I stalk over Knox. The thorny branches they've tied him with have silver bark. Something about it is forcing him to stay in his human form. I raise my front paw. Claws extended with a slice of talons, I slice through the cords that bind him. Knox steps free. Within seconds, his wolf bursts from his skin. His eyes flare with golden light as he approaches my aunties. That wasn't smart. He, he, Togs, t- stutters Mirabel. They both talk, adds Fanna. Lorelai raises her arms. We need more thorns, I see. A fresh cloud of fairy dust sparkles around her hands. Fresh fury courses through my veins. If I live to be a thousand, I never want to see those damned sleeping beauty thorns again. I reach deep within me to the place where Colonel Marley locked up my magic. This time I do find it. I set it loose. Leaning back my head, I let out a howl. Silver fairy dust surrounds my aunt, my entire wolf, growing thicker and stronger as my howl grows. Nox adds his voice into the mix, and I can feel his alpha power giving me hope and strength. By the time I finish my howl, the mist is so thick it's almost a liquid. I lower my head, and the fairy dust speeds off to my aunties, growing larger until it flies forward. My magic slams into my aunties, knocking them on their backs. I lower my voice to a rumble. I have no idea how to cast a spell, but I know what I want to happen here. No more magic for you. The fairy dust I sent over encompasses the three women, twisting round their bodies like small cyclones. Within seconds, their skin begins to glow. Somehow, I know that's their power, their fairy dust, being drawn out of them. Their bodies shine more and more brightly until the room is bathed in silver light. After that... The light disappears from the bottom of my soul. I know their powers are gone as well. Lorelei scrambles to sit upright. She raises her hands, staring at them like she's never seen them before. Her voice comes out a rough whisper. What did you do? What did you do, do to my powers? I can't pull any fairy dust, whines Fanna. No me, has Mirabel. Nox gives me a quick look. I still don't know him too well, but I can tell he's wondering what I did to their powers too. I wish I knew. I reach into my soul to find my lockbox of power, and it's closed down tightly once more. Why can I access it sometimes, but not others? I shake my head. There must be some kind of logic to it, but that's something to wonder about another day. Preferably when I have a fully translated book of magic in front of me. Right now, I have to deal with my aunties. Still in my wolf form, I st- I stalk up to Lorelai. I want some questions answered. Lorelai's face creases with a simpering smile. You wouldn't hurt your aunties, would you? Wolf knocks, stalks forward. She might not, but I definitely will. Answer her questions. Offering my aunties gasp in terror. I'm not sure what it says about me as a person, but I find it super satisfying. Lorelei quickly recovers though. The next thing I see, she's done grasping and is lifting her chin instead. Never. Mirabel scrambles to stand. I'll answer. Don't you dare! Scolds Lorelei. I stalk around them slowly. Listen to me closely. I know Philpot was really Jules, leader of the evil Denari. You set me up to become his zombie bride. Lorelei pales. don't talk nonsense. I must be getting more werewolfy. Because I can smell a lie. It smells like last week's garbage. I'm not playing this game anymore. You're going to tell me what happened with jewels, Why you did it. And who my parents really are. Otherwise, things are going to get ugly. Wolfnot scrapes the floor of his four-inch long claws. Give me an excuse to make it ugly. "'Please?' "'Mirabel waddles forward. "'Jules approached us years ago. "'He asked us to do little things in exchange for magical tokens. "'Then he said he had one last favour to ask of us "'before he gave us fairy magic beyond our wildest dreams. "'We didn't have a lot of power to begin with. "'That lured us in.' "'Mirabel's words smell like truth. "'Even more importantly, they fit with what I know of Jules. He was always trying to put together deals.' even when he was pretending to be a hedge fund manager. Go on, orders Knox. When we agreed to this final deal with Jules, we had no idea that he would bring us a baby. All the other favours were finished in an hour or so. Mirabelle's words knocked the breath out of me. No wonder Lorelei and Fanner acted like I was such a burden. They were expecting a few hours of work in return for a ton of magical power. Instead, they got almost 18 years of me. A sour feeling settles in my stomach. There's nothing like knowing you're unwanted to bring your day. Knox turns to me. He tilts his head with sympathy. You don't have to do this, you know. No, I need the truth. Keep talking, Mirabel. Lorelei throws up her arms. Shut your mouth this instant, Mirabel. If you tell Briar Rose even one more word, then Jules will find you and he will come after all of us. Mirabel huffs a frustrated breath. Don't you get it? We're talking about the deal between us and Jules. Should that be able to be happening? He had those wizards and fairies cast about a dozen silence spells on us. Lorelei's face pales. No, I suppose it shouldn't. You know what that means. Jules is dead. That's why Briarose is here. And we can even discuss these things. There are no more excuses now. And she shifted into a werewolf form. There's no point pretending. Mirabel turns to me. What else do you want to know? I feel like a kid set loose in a candy store. All my life, i wondered if my parents really were. In fact, I'd dreamed of identities for them, you know, regular humans. There's no question what I want to know first. Who are my parents? You're off, Werewolf, answers Mirabel. That's all we know. Jules dropped you off with instructions to give you Predator's Bane. Although, considering the spell you just cast, I guess your other half is Fairy. Wolf knocks steps closer. Half... Tension tightens up my neck. Is that a bad thing? No, it's just... Wolf knocks Bob's his head. You're really powerful, powerful to be half I could be alpha of all alphas if I wanted to, and my wolf chose you. Lorelei grins. Alpha of all alphas? And our bright rose is your meat? asks Fanna. "'It's a pleasure to meet you,' says Lorelai. "'Apologies for our rude greeting before, Mr... Knox. "'His name is Knox. "'I can't believe this. "'Now that Jules is dead, "'they're sucking up to the next most powerful person in the room, "'and that's never going to be me, "'at least not in their eyes. "'I'll always be some weak foundling they were saddled with. "'I have one more question for you. "'Colonel Mallory, the Magnificent... "'The Magnificent, says he saved my wolf.' What do you know about that? Colonel Mallory, seriously, Lorelei waves her hands. You're dating an alpha, but let's not put on airs. I doubt Colonel Mallory the Magnificent would have taken an interest in your existence. Enough, Lorelei. Mirable focuses on me. Jules once said something about Colonel Mallory slipping away from him before Jules could finish him. Before he could finish him as a meal of dragon power. More likely. I think I know what happened. Knox's wolf voice is low and soothing. If Colonel Mallory was held in the same place where Jules was keeping you as a baby, maybe he ran across you there. Jules is tough prisons, but I bet Colonel Mallory could break free. He might have cast a slumber beast spell on you there. Knox tilts his head and gives me a meaningful look. I know what he's thinking. And maybe cast another spell as well. There's no question what spell that would be either. The lockbox in my soul. I chuff out a breath. <sighs> I really want to talk to Colonel Mallory. Good luck, says Mirabel. Shows when he shows. Lorelei Rams on knocks. Our oh, Briar Rose really knows the great Colonel Mallory the Magnificent. I'm right here, Lorelei, and I already said I know Colonel Mallory. I make a point to turn toward Mirabel. Thank you for answering my questions. I look to Knox. Now all the excitement is over. I feel like a balloon that's been deflated. All I want to do is go home. Look, the computer in my, bedf- my bedroom has IP telephony. If I call Alec, do you think he would? He would. And while you do that, I'll wait here and keep an eye on your aunties. Thanks. I pad off in my wolf form into my room, transform back to human, get dressed and call Ella. It's the same thing as contacting Alec anyway. In short order, Alec casts some spells so Knox is dressed and we're both back in the apartment. His apartment. Once I feel safe inside his place, I launch right into a crying gag. Knox doesn't say a word. He simply directs me to his bedroom, tucks me under the covers. I've never been in the guy's room before. But with Knox, it feels natural and safe to be in his personal den. This place is warm and comfy, with lots of... Earth colours and leather. Once I've snuggled under the covers, Knox slides in beside me, while keeping his own body over the covers. As I fall asleep, his fingertips brush through my hair, and his low voice whispers, You did so well, Bri Rose. I'm proud of you. And to those words of comfort, I drift off to sleep. That's the end of that chapter of Briar Rose. Thank you for listening and many blessings.